Well, good morning, everybody. It's awesome to be together. Isn't it awesome to be together today? Oh, my goodness. Like I said, a couple people walked in and instantly my heart felt a million times. There's something about being together, yeah? Physically being together. Nothing beats it. Like, I know, I know masks are not fun. There's lots about this that is not our first choice, but I would take more restrictions over not being, a, like not being able to be together in this place. Like that, nothing beats it. Right, Olive? That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, my four-year-old daughter, Adeline, has gotten into this beautifully inconvenient habit of asking, what are we doing tomorrow? But it doesn't just end there. She'll ask, you know, in her words, it won't even come out as clear. Sometimes it's, what are we doing tomorrow? But she'll ask that, but then she'll also ask, what are we doing after tomorrow? And then we'll carry on as we hit every single day of the week. Now, if you know our life currently right now, Jesse and I are, Adeline is four and all of his 15 months. And those two girls alone are a wild pack of fire and fun. <laughs> and that on top of that being sick. It's been, uh, yeah, we could write a book probably. But then on, add on top of that four dogs, four goats, a bunch of chickens and a bunch of ducks. And yeah, I know we did it to ourselves, but still, it gets crazy. <laughs> and, on, and, you know, most of the time, my headspace is, is how do I stay afloat in just today? But then comes this soft and gentle voice of my daughter asking, Daddy, what are we doing tomorrow? And honestly, most of the time, I look at her, and, and all I say in this, like, defeated tone of voice, I don't know. <laughs> the funny thing is, I'll go and I'll talk to my parents or we'll have a conversation about how the girls are doing, and I'll say, man, she just is, always is asking about what we're doing next. Oh, my goodness, every time. And then they'll look at me if we're face-to-face -face or on FaceTime, and they'll just look at me with that face like, oh, John. And then I'll remember, I'll remember the stories they would tell of John sitting at the breakfast table on Monday morning and asking, hey, Mom and Dad, what are we doing Friday? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be quiet. But what a question, though. You know, what a question. What are we doing tomorrow? It can, it can be this, like, very cute childish question, which it is from Adeline. You know, like, or it could be this deep existential question about our lives. You know, like, what, what are we doing tomorrow? Or maybe a different way, a different way to ask that is, you know, what's happening next? Or, or where is this leading? You know, like, we love as human beings caught up in a bigger story. At least Adeline and I do. Like being a part, even be, that's, I think that's why it feels so good to be together in this place. Right? Because we love being in something that's just bigger than ourselves. And I believe that we were made for that. We were made for that. What are we doing tomorrow? What's happening next? Where is this all leading? As much as life is a journey of ups and downs, of movements and victories and defeats, Life is moving in a direction somewhere. We can all agree with that, right? Life is in motion forward. We as human beings, we're going in a direction. Just turn on Facebook or your news choice of 
whatever your, your choice is or your preference of entertainment is of the news channels, just look there and it's pretty obvious, whether it's good or bad, humanity is moving in a direction. Um, what's happening next? Where is this all going? What are we doing tomorrow? We've been asking this similar question really since the beginning of September, who are we becoming? Right? Who are we becoming? Because we are all becoming somebody, whether it's intentional or not, we are all becoming. What's the larger story? Who are we becoming leads into a question like, what's the larger story? There are so many narratives happening and being told in our world today. Which direction do we want to take? Who are we becoming and where is that leading? We've been, we've been exploring this, this invitation from Jesus to come and follow me or come be my follower or be my apprentice. We've been looking at what this means to those people in the first century who heard this for the first time, but then also us here in this time, in this place, what does it mean to follow Jesus? To follow Jesus, we kind of summed it down really short, to basically meaning to reorient your life around Jesus. As one pastor and writer puts it, in three ways. One, to be with Jesus. So that's intimacy, closeness, being with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Or two, and two, becoming like Jesus, as we talked about getting our hands dirty. Right, getting our hands dirty with Jesus. And then three, do what he did. Or a better way to put it is maybe even, what would he do if he were me? So when we respond to, like yes to following Jesus, when we say, okay, yes, Jesus, I will be your follower, the promise is we are filled with the presence of God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that place, from that place of, of, of filling, that place of the presence of God in you, we start getting our hands dirty with Jesus to become like him. But here's our question this morning. Here's the question this morning. Why did Jesus come to show the world a way to live? Why did Jesus come to show the world a way to live? What was the purpose? Was the, was the life, you know, Jesus would say, like, the, I've come to bring you life and life to the full. Well, was that, was that leading somewhere? Or was it simply just to live a good life, like, check the box, move on? Is it more than just a good life, or is it leading somewhere? Is there a larger story? We're going to explore that today. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 4? We'll listen to those pages turn. I personally like hearing it. Matthew chapter 4. How are we doing? Everybody good? All right. This is going to be a responding type of morning. Let's engage together, yeah? It's going to be good. Matthew chapter 4. Really interesting before we get started... What we're about to read here is the very first thing that we have on record of Jesus saying something as an adult to people. So this is kind of ground zero to everything else that Jesus is about to teach. This is the beginning place. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth, he went and he lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, 
and he goes on to quote it here, land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Would you pray with me one more time before we jump in? Holy Spirit, would you just keep speaking this morning? It's been a beautiful morning already in your presence. Would you continue to just open the eyes of our heart? Would we see something new? Would we hear something new? Would we experience something new and then respond to you today? Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, or he'll say it another way, the kingdom of God, 50 times in the, in the gospel of Matthew alone. Now, there are, there are three, three other gospels, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus talks further about the kingdom of heaven. And we see this theme kind of play out through the rest of the New Testament. The point is, in saying that, this seems relatively important. If Jesus starts off his teaching and, and his ministry career, you could say, with this statement, I would say it means something special. It matters. The primary statement from Jesus holds a heck of a lot more weight for the first century listeners than it does today. It's just the reality of the situation. So if you're with me, let's really quick, and I mean really quick, I promise, Let's map out a little bit as to why this phrase, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God here is significant. Are you with me? Does that sound good? All right, let's jump in. Quick history lesson. In Genesis, we have this poem. We have this poem, this account of the beginning of all things. God creates a beautiful world where everything is good. He even goes so far as to say everything is very good. Everything is as it should be. There's unity and there's peace. Things seem to be working. After creation is, is done, God basically says this to humanity in Genesis 1. He says this, go, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living thing that moves on the ground. This is here the beginning of kingdom language. To rule to look after, to take care of. There's a way that things work. There's a way that things work and it is now set in place. But catch this. When God says to humanity to rule, he means rule like I would rule. Humanity was created in the image of God. So God invites humanity to rule like he would rule. To live in his kingdom now. Basically, the kingdom of God is at hand in this Garden of Eden, and humanity is partnering with God in creating a world, bringing creation to its fulfillment. Sounds pretty fantastic. I mean, if I was signing up for a job, that sounds pretty great. Right? Like, that's, that sounds pretty good. But we know that that's not where the story stays, right? What happens? Well, in Genesis 3, humanity rebels and basically takes the wheel and says, Cool God, sounds great. I think we can do it better. <laughs> it's like, it sounds crazy right now, but that's basically what happens, right? Humanity says, sounds great, I can do it better. And in that moment, 
in that moment, an alternative kingdom begins to be established in the world. In that moment, the kingdom of the earth begins to take place. But up until that point, the kingdom of God, or another way to put it, God's will being done was happening. Everything was as it should be. Everything was good. But as soon as humanity decides, we've got this God, thanks but no thanks, an alternative kingdom begins to be established. God pursues his creation. We see this through the, old, all, the whole Old Testament. He pursues his creation and his people by choosing a family. Do you remember this story? He chooses Abraham and Sarah and he says what? Through you, I'm gonna bless you so that, we've talked about this before, you could be a blessing, right? I'm gonna bless you through your family. I'm gonna actually bless the nations. So through many stories and moments throughout the Old Testament, we don't have time now, but God rescues his people from this kingdom that they've created, this way of living that doesn't work. He's rescued them out of it, but time after time after time, humanity still thinks they can do it without God, right? And, and they just, they keep living in the wrong kingdom to the point where we get to the prophets in the Old Testament and we see this, we see this, deep, this deep hope in their bones that eventually God would make everything right. We see this ache in them that the world is not working as it's supposed to and we believe God will keep his promise and this blessing to the nations that he promised generations ago would eventually come to pass. A new king will come and everything will be as it should be. This was the hope. The hope was God would bring a, bring a new king who would make everything the way it's supposed to be. One prophet, Isaiah, he says this, and he uses the imagery of, of, of watchmen on a fallen city. Most of the prophet, what we read here is, is poetry and, and metaphor, but he's talking about God bringing things to right. He says this, Isaiah 52. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, our God reigns. Kingdom language. Listen, your watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, there's that returning restorative language, they will see it with their own eyes, burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people and he has redeemed Jerusalem. Do you, do you, do you hear the ache though in, 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 the, in, in their bones that this is this fallen city, this metaphor of the broken world where God's gonna come back and he's gonna redeem. He's going to return. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes and he will redeem them. There was a deep hope that God would come, a king would come and restore God's kingdom back into the world. Then enters this rabbi from Nazareth, speaking about the kingdom has come near to you. Justice, grace, love, peace, hope, healing, redemption. Saying things like, Blessed are, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted and you know, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth or by this they'll know that you are my, my disciples, that you love one another. 
the kingdom has come near to you. These statements, these teachings, this putting on display, this way of life that disarms the systems in the kingdom that is already in place in the world, saying, what if there's a different way? What if there's a different way? The kingdom has come near to you. This is where it's leading for Jesus. This is where the invitation began for Jesus. We go on to read what we've been exploring really over the last month where, where Jesus goes right into, directly after the passage we read in, in Matthew, Jesus goes on to, to invite men and women to follow him. To follow him, to do the very thing that he just said. Jesus was not simply inviting men and women to live a set of good ideas or a bunch of good ideals or good practices. That's part of it. But Jesus was inviting men and women to live a life with him, becoming like him and doing what he did in order that the kingdom of heaven would come and make everything right again. One, one writer, he said this, and I, I posted it the other day, and a friend of mine commented on how much, it, how, how much it just kind of illuminated for her what the kingdom of God was. And I was like, that's awesome, because guess what? We're preaching about it in a couple weeks. Um, but one writer actually went on to say, like, he described the kingdom of God as saying, it's the place where God's will is able to be done. The way God sees things and the way he designed things is free to do whatever it wants to do. Dallas Willard said this, so when Jesus directs us to pray, thy kingdom come, he's talking about the Lord's Prayer, he does not mean we should pray for it to come into existence. Rather, we pray for it to take over at all points in the personal, the social, and political order where it is now excluded, on earth as it is in heaven. With this prayer, we are invoking it we are invoking it as in faith we act in it into the real world of our daily existence. What a statement. What a statement. It does not take long to look at the world we live in now and see that there is a kingdom alive and well that isn't working very well. It's not, it's not doomsday to acknowledge that. It's real. There's a way of living that, that seems to do more harm than good. You know, our world right now is just, it's filled with anxiety and worry and bitterness and anger and pain. Even if you aren't a follower of Jesus in the room, which, welcome, we love that you're here. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, it doesn't take long to look at the world and say, something's just not working. Something doesn't seem quite right. This week was a perfect example of that, Right? Let's be honest, day after day, our world seemed to just be reacting and adjusting, trying to make sense of something that's really, let's just say it, it's way outside of our control, <laughs> right? But we're all grasping at straws, all rooted, though, in fear and worry and anxiety and fear. But what if there's a reason it's maybe not working? What if there's a reason things feel broken? Maybe the answer isn't, well, if we just, you know, if we just excel better, if we just get, you know, better in science and medical science, you know, we'll, we'll eventually get to the point where we've evolved or we've progressed enough and, you know what, eventually we'll land 
and everything will be okay. You know, what if the world isn't working because it was made for something else? All the pain and fear, get this today, all the pain and the fear is this deep cry, this deep cry for the presence of God, a deep cry for the presence of God, the healing, the healing presence of God. What if the invitation from Jesus remains the same in our time? What if the invitation from Jesus remains to men and women across our world, small Graminan Island all the way over, all across this world, to join him in building the kingdom of heaven because it has come near? What if that's the invitation for us today? But it's not a kingdom built on power, is it? It's not a kingdom built on power or earning or hierarchies or force. No, Jesus showed us a different way. Which not even just for us now, but even the listeners in the first century, they heard Jesus and they're like, man, Jesus, that's not how a kingdom comes. Like, Jesus, do you really know what you're talking about? Jesus talked about a kingdom being built on loving your neighbor and your enemy. Jesus talked about a kingdom that was built on radical grace and radical forgiveness. It's a kingdom built on beautiful justice. It's a kingdom built on the presence of God, the Holy Spirit renewing creation through the people of God, us in this room. That was the kingdom Jesus was was talking about and people didn't get it. Even his disciples, Peter would oftentimes be like, Jesus, I I don't think you're right. I think we need to get our swords and I think we just need to kill the Roman Empire. I think that's the answer. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. I would not want to hear that from Jesus, (laughs) right? But that was how passionate Jesus was. No, no, it's not by force. It's by self-giving, self-sacrificing love. You know, when when we bake a meal in the name of Jesus, when we go and we visit and we spend time with our friend whose life we know is falling apart, in the name of Jesus. When we pray healing over someone in the name of Jesus. When we bring coffee to someone in the name of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, apprentices to Jesus, we adopt the lifestyle of Jesus so that the kingdom of God becomes more alive in our moment. What if Lighthouse Church took that lifestyle seriously where everything we did in the name of Jesus for the purpose of seeing God's kingdom in our moment. The invitation from Jesus is to join something way bigger than just our life story. That's good, but it's only gonna lead you so far. We are free to build our own kingdom and our own world. See, see, love, love gives you a choice, doesn't it? It's not, it's not love if you're made to do it. If God didn't give us a choice, would it be love? You can't force someone to love because then it's not love. If I was forced out of duty to marry Jesse, that sounds like a pretty terrible life. Really though, right? Like, that, she's awesome. It's not about her. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what I'm trying to say though? Like, it's gonna be a pretty detached life. But if out of love, I make a commitment saying, I don't care what other possibilities are out there. Love draws me to make a a commitment to this. 
man, that's a whole other life. It's the difference between doing the right things and wanting to do the right things. You remember that? It's the difference between wanting to do the right things and just doing them. One of those has to do with the heart. One of them has to do with the heart. Jesus said this amazing thing in Matthew 16. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or, or what can anyone give in exchange for a soul? You know, you could spend your whole life living. We could spend our whole life living and find out that we never actually lived. I think I stole that quote from somebody. I was trying to find out where it was. That came to me. I was like, wow, that's really good. And then I remembered, I think I saw that in a movie once. So I couldn't, I couldn't give you the quote, but I know it's there. If you have it, you can send me a message. But you know what, I'm, you know what I mean? We could, we could spend our whole life achieving our whole life building up a kingdom. You know, you know what, my purpose comes, if I just have this much money in my bank account by the time I die, I'll have landed. Or if I, you know, if I own this much land by the time that I'm, I'm done, I'll be good. Or you know, I don't know what the thing is, it's different for everybody. But, but that, that's, that's easy to do, but what if, that, what if that's not really life? What if life is, is actually the opposite of earning? What if real life is actually saying, wow, God, what do you want to do? Wow, God, I think you're actually telling me to bring this somebody. I don't know why they need a coffee, but apparently I'm just going to show up. Hey, I don't know why you need this, but you know what? God loves you. Man, you have no idea. You have no idea what God's doing in that moment. And we're, you know what the beautiful thing is? We're not invited to figure it out. <laughs> we're invited to just partner we're invited to respond. You know, it's the same even when we asked the Duncans to come. I didn't, like, I, took, I didn't know how it was going to go. That first Sunday, it was like, all right, let's see if this was a good choice. <laughs> right? And it was. It's amazing. But, like, <laughs> but you know what? You know what? I, I was sitting with that, Pastor Adam, and we were talking and we were praying, and her name came to mind. So I said, okay, let's see. And then all of a sudden you get, you get caught up in something way bigger than yourself, right? Have you ever been in a conversation like that with somebody where you're like, you just feel like you're supposed to, you're, maybe you're not even trying hard. That's been happening to me lately. I just find myself in these positions and these conversations and all of a sudden God's like, all right, guess what? And I'm like sitting there like almost like I'm out, out of my body experience where I'm watching myself like, God, I apparently just showed up in the right moment because I couldn't have orchestrated this if I wanted. That is partnering with God, building his kingdom in the world. It's as simple and profound as that. It's as simple and profound as that. We all want to matter. We all want our life to, to mean something. We like the idea of utopia, don't we? We like the idea of things being right and good, but we don't always love admitting the fact that we can't get there on our own. That's not fun. One, one pastor in uh, Melbourne, Australia, his name's Mark Sayers, he'll say this all the time, and I love it. We want the kingdom, we want the kingdom without the king. Do you catch the, the nuance there? We want the fulfilled life, the joy-filled life, the happy, the peaceful, the love, the satisfied life. But we don't want to submit to the one who only, the only one who knows how to get there. 
If we want the kingdom, if we want the kingdom, we have to follow the king. If we want the kingdom, we have to follow the king. Dallas Willard said this as well in his book. Everybody in this room should just go buy The Divine Conspiracy. This basically, <laughs> this whole series has just been like, I'll walk into Michelle's office throughout the week and I'm like, man, check out this quote. And she's like, are you going to use it? I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to use it. It's a great book. It's really heady. I, I read it when I was younger and I thought I was cool. I didn't know what was happening. He says this, Jesus offers himself, get this today, tangent. Jesus offers himself as God's doorway into the life that is truly life. Confidence in him, in Jesus, leads us today, as in other times, to become his apprentices in eternal life. Now, when the Bible talks about eternal life, yes, they're talking about the future, but it's a present that leads into the future. Eternal life isn't something that we experience just when we die. A better way to understand when, the, when we read eternal life in the Bible is to, is to like, understand it's not the best grammar, but the most life. Eternal life means, like, the, like, take the best life that you could ever imagine. Like, just even in your mind right now. I don't know if it's living in Maui with a yacht. I don't know. I hate the, I like, I like the cold air, so I wouldn't be there. But maybe for you it's that. Okay, take that and multiply it by a billion and that's what Jesus means when he says eternal life. It starts now that leads us into the future. When Jesus says come and follow me, he's inviting the disciples and us to join a bigger story of making the world right. How? By doing what Jesus did. The reality is the kingdom of God is coming. It's here. It's in progress. It's being built it's not a matter of whether or not it's here, it's whether or not we're gonna partner with him. As followers of Jesus, apprentices to Jesus, we are invited to live in this kingdom now in every moment. Filled with the presence of God in every moment in what he is doing and saying. Being people of love, joy, and peace in everything that we do and we say. I started praying and working on, I'm, I'm almost done. I started praying and working on this teaching way, way before um, the new restrictions kind of started to kind of fall out this week. And, and, and you know, I, I've said this a couple times already this morning. This teaching, I think, means way more now than it did even on Monday morning. It's funny how God works. As our world spirals into fear and anger, it's lots of anger, and chaos, let me just ask this question. And it's not, it's not a, I've been asking my, myself this question all week. What kingdom are we building? You know, and the, it, that's, that's a good question. What kingdom are we building? Are we, are we adding, here, hear this today, are we adding to fear and anger and chaos? Or, or are we living in a kingdom right in the middle of the storm, shining a light of love, joy, and peace? Like that, that's, a, that's beautiful, but that's a hard question, right? Like that, 
I'm even, as I'm asking it, I feel gross in my stomach. Because I don't do that every time. It's easy to get caught up in the anger, right? Isn't it? Are we living in a kingdom right in the middle of the storm, shining a light of love, joy, and peace? I'm gonna end with this. Eugene Peterson, um, he has a translation of the Bible called The Message, and he says this in Matthew 5. Jesus talking. Let me tell you why you are here. Okay, Jesus, tell me. I'd love to know. You are here, get this, get this picture today. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people know or taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Oh man, what a picture. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If, you, if I make you light bearers, Jesus talking, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Are we bringing about God the God flavors in this world? Are we bringing out the God colors in the world? The last almost two years have been easy to kind of put our heads in the sand and just say, you know what, I'll just wait until it's over. You know, I'll just kind of keep my head down and eventually this will all be over. I think Jesus is saying another, another word over us today. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here in this time, in this moment, not by accident. To be salt seasoning that bring out the God flavors in this earth, in the middle of all of this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. By how we talk at the independent. By how we, what we say on Facebook. By how we talk about the government by how we talk about Premier Higgs and other leaders, whether we agree or we disagree, by how we love each other. This week as we go, here's the invitation. Here's the invitation. May we be people who let the love and the joy and the peace of God fill everything that we do. Uh, we were praying, <laughs> hi Olive. We were praying this morning and um, I had a picture of a, a lighthouse and and you know and I mean I'm gonna talk I don't know what I'm not a fisherman I, I'm gonna use probably terrible metaphors and you're gonna laugh at me later but I'm trying a lighthouse when a storm comes and the fog rolls in and you can't see anything it would be dumb for a lighthouse to turn off its light right am I am I correct okay Ahoy, right? <laughs> you ever watch What About Bob? I'm a sailor, I sail, ahoy. <laughs> but that would be silly, right? We would agree, that would be dumb. Like, why would, no, what would happen? What would we expect a lighthouse to do? To shine even brighter so that people can see what's really happening. 
Because the storm and the fog can look really deceiving, right? You don't know where you are. You don't know what's going on. Everything seems uncertain. But then the light comes on and you get your bearings. Maybe this is a time to not put our heads in the sand, but instead say, God, how do we shine brighter? And it probably means, and it's gonna be more simple than we think it is. May we be people of love, joy, and peace in everything we say and everything we do. We're gonna see God's kingdom come alive and renewal in this place, in this time, when everybody would say, it's a pandemic, there's nothing going on. Guess what? God's spirit's moving. God's spirit is. It's not a matter of if, it is. It's more a matter of if we as a community are gonna say, God, what are you saying? And then respond to it. So we're gonna dig deep. We've got, I had a change of direction on a couple things this fall. Surprise. And <laughs> we're gonna really dive, I read a little bit out of Matthew, of Matthew 5, but we're gonna really dive into, there's a section in scripture, Matthew 5 through 7, where Jesus really gets deep in, this is what kingdom life looks like. And we're gonna dive deep into that over the next few months and there'll be podcasts and stuff for us to just make this a season where we don't disengage. Can we, can we go there together? It's easy, isn't it, to just be listening to other things. What if this was a time where we listen to more to what the Holy Spirit's doing? And less of what the noise and the chatter and the anger and the misinformation is. Because there's tons of it. I don't need more. I don't need more potential truths. I need real truth. Right? Right? Man. All right. Preaching today. <laughs> Let's pray together. I'm gonna, this, is, this is our response today. It's not... It was kind of a big overall arching, just visiony thing, but I think we needed, I needed a boost, right? I needed a boost of like, this is what God's doing. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say yes. So if that's you, would you just even in your soul just agree with what I'm praying today? God, we submit to you. God, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't even try to manipulate or try to figure out why this is happening. I remember having Dan, my dad here last, last fall, and he in our, in our prayer night, he, he encouraged us to ask a different question. He invited us to ask, what is God doing in spite of COVID? And so God, we, we, we asked that question again this morning. God, what are you doing in spite of what we live in? God, would this be a moment where Lighthouse Church turns up the light that you have given us instead of turn it down? Would we be a beacon of light and hope that brings the ships home, brings things into perspective in your way. Your kingdom is here and moving, which means the other kingdom is passing away. We are in this weird in-between, but God, may we partner in your kingdom and may we let the reality of that burn away our other kingdoms that won't last anyway. May we submit to your rule and your reign and find deep, deep, deep joy in that, in real life in you. You are the answer. You are the answer, God. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. That was a good morning. It's good.